ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಧೀತಮಸ್ತುಮಾಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 thanks rajesh um so i did not prepare any slides i'll be talking uh, using my notes uh, so a disclaimer um everything that i'll be talking today is uh, borrowed heavily from swami p and from swami spg um hope that is okay um so uh, so firstly i think uh, for me um uh, uh, chapter 7 um as they uh, uh, as uh, they uh, uh, see it um it's the foundation for the shataka which talks about uh, tat uh, tat padartha uh, so i think uh, uh, chapter 7 sets a nice stage uh, for that um and then uh, the whole chapter is about gnana vignana yoga and uh, uh, there has been a lot of discussion in the group about gnana vignana yoga and i just would like to uh, <clears throat> talk about a few definitions that uh, swami spg gave in his lecture which i found very uh, very profound and uh, interesting uh, so he says uh, for uh, uh, like according to the traditional interpretations by uh, shankara and uh, shridhar swami uh gnana is uh, basically reading uh, reading about the scriptures and vignana is realizing uh, the ultimate truth uh, that uh, i am brahman uh, but according to uh, shri uh, ramakrishna uh, shri ramakrishna actually gives a more profound meaning uh, he says that gnana itself is realizing that i am brahman and vignana is realizing that every bit around me is brahman everything is brahman so he gives a uh, he tries to explain this with a very nice example uh, so gnana is uh, seeing milk um, uh, actually uh, uh, see, uh, uh, sorry reading about milk seeing milk and drinking that milk and vignana is doing all this but uh, the milk also uh, kind of satiates your thirst and it also nourishes you so you become so vignana is becoming intimate with this brahman so that's how shri ramakrishna has uh, given this interpretation he also gives uh, a third interpretation by uh, madhusudan saraswati uh, I, i think from gudartha deepika uh, so according to this vignana is realizing that the entire reality is sat it is very pure and everything in this uh, reality is actually just imaginary kalpita so uh, after you realize that not there is nothing else that uh, one has to realize uh, so i found these uh, interpretations very nice i especially like the interpretation from uh, shri ramakrishna um and uh, the second thing that uh, like that i found like very nice was this uh, comes from uh, swami p actually uh so he talks about two prakritis uh, para and apara prakriti and how apara is the cause of all suffering he um, he tells that like uh, uh, both of these can't be created they are already like eternal in nature 
and brahman itself he manifests as the universe uh, so he gives uh, he tells uh, he uh, he gives a very nice uh, he uh, he puts it very nicely he says um, to uh, to see any avatar of the god you need to do a lot of tapas but world or the universe is the only avatar that is available for everyone to see without doing any tapas so that's the vishwarupa avatar god himself manifesting as the universe which uh, uh, which i found like uh, very beautiful and uh, he also goes on to explain that bhakti is the remedy uh, for uh, the for all the sufferings uh, to come out of uh, uh, all the suffering and uh, so he uh, uh, he brings in a nice point here i think this is a point of contemplation for many beginners especially uh, i think all the beginners have this question with pa- which path should i follow to get salvation to get moksha right and uh, like there are so many paths out there and he says in the second chapter and in the fourth chapter we say that uh, krishna says that gnana is the ultimate remedy for everything and now here, here krishna is claiming that bhakti is the remedy like why is there no samanvaya in these teachings and then he puts it very beaut- he explains it very beautifully again um he says uh, uh, bhakti is not just one sadhana it is a series of sadhanas and everything like bhakti will itself culminate as gnana gnana rupa bhakti and that is the remedy that is the remedy for samsara uh, which again i found very profound very beautiful uh and uh, another thing was uh, ab- about the three bhaktas who worship god right i think uh, uh, like the way krishna puts it right even to just uh, you know uh, lean into god even to just uh, uh, become a bhakta i think uh, people like uh, uh, we should have acquired some uh, amount of good karma that then only like that the any kind of bhakti is possible uh, but then uh, there are um, uh, like uh, the, i think uh, there is uh, i found this like nice interpretation uh, by uh, spg in his lectures i think uh, alpana also mentioned it like there is the traditional interpretation of uh, artha uh jignasu artarti and nani and then there is this uh, interpretation from bhagavatam uh, which uh, ba- basically which says uh, that um i i just talk about the uh, bhagavatam interpretation again um i found this very nice uh so the gopis are uh, they are in intense sorrow because they are they he puts it as they are feeling the presence of absence of god uh so they are in viraha uh so and they are in tears uh so this is the artha phase and then they become jignasu they uh, they become seekers they uh, go on inquiring they go and ask trees they go and ask the river yamuna they go and ask all the saints and they go and ask like all the trees everyone basically uh, so that is the jignasu phase and the third phase is the artarthi phase where they just uh, sit down meditate and try to feel the presence of god try to presence uh, uh, feel the presence of krishna and the fourth phase is the gnani phase where uh, through their bhakti they have the vision of god they become one with god they become enlightened uh, i found this uh, beautiful and i think even this has been uh, some amount there has been some amount of discussion around this because of the ordering like whether uh, artarthi should come before jignasu like what what the ordering should be of the four bhaktas uh, this is very this again i found very very nice um and uh, 
yeah uh, the last thing that i think i would like to end uh, by saying is um just like talk about like sakama bhakti and nishkama bhakti again like i think this has been a question which has been raised in the group what should we be praying for should we just pray for our spiritual progress or should is it okay for us to pray for uh, you know for our health wealth uh, good relationships and all that uh, and uh, i think uh, uh, the way swami uh, p puts it is very nice it's uh, you it is completely okay it is it's absolutely okay to start with sakama bhakti without sakama bhakti you can't proceed to nishkama bhakti and uh, uh, he the i think the exact like lines he uses is nishkama bhakti is impossible without sakama bhakti and sakama bhakti is incomplete without uh, nishkama bhakti uh, this uh, was very profound and uh, yeah if i if my biggest takeaway i think from this chapter is um uh, just surrendering to god having that bhakti in him uh, doing full surrender and that that will uh, that will show us the way that will lead the uh, path yeah that's my take away thank you thank you any questions for smurti very nice smurti um it's a complete summary of swami p i think uh, very nicely articulated also in Thanks. fact i was just uh, when you were saying this no i was just thinking uh, there is a prashnottana ratnamalya of uh, adi shankar acharya where uh, you know there is a question that is asked uh, it's a very uh, short uh, brief question and a brief answer so he says maya kim okay what is maya and his answer is in just two words kalpitam dvaitam mm-hmm. okay so it's just a very simple explanation for maya so i just thought i will just add to that you know uh, i think nice thank you beautiful yeah. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Sputhi. Very articulate. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for also correlating with Madhusudan Saraswati, Ramakrishna, SPG, Swami P. You got like five different. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Nana and Vigyana. That was very well done. Yeah, I didn't finish all uh, Swami SPG's lectures, <laughs> but like whatever I finished, I just tried to pick out uh, yeah nice things that I found from his lectures. Yeah. Thought I would uh, yeah present. Awesome, Ashish. Over to you. Okay, uh, let me share my screen. First of all, please mute yourself. Yeah, let me know when you are able to see my screen. Yes. Okay, I'll go in presentation mode. Okay, so this this is kind of a safe harbor statement, uh, and uh, hurry home, everyone. Uh, this is actually some notes I was. Uh, trying to make uh, to make it clear for myself so uh, i think i am not 
qualified to speak about all uh, that has been covered in chapter 7 uh, reason one it is for the first time uh, the chapter starts itself with shri bhagwan uvacha so uh, it is uh, his words and secondly uh, as uh, this this is uh, the beginning of uh, the tat pradhan sadhana uh, i think it is a, an attempt to uh, understand all this through intellect, which I believe uh, ultimately is only an attempt. It doesn't happen without the grace of uh, the Lord. And it is some other kind of intellect which is provided uh, by the God himself. So it is just trying to understand things, putting them in words. But Ashish, you are more than qualified because you are it itself. Yeah, that we is another, <laughs> another perspective, <laughs> Raj. Uh, so moving on, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to uh, do it in 10 minutes so that we have enough time for the main session today. Uh, so I thought I'll, I'll just go back and try to understand uh, what we had done so far from chapter one, uh, Vishad Yoga, to uh, chapter six, uh, which was uh, Atma Sanyam Yoga. Uh, so all, all that was uh, Tvam focused sadhana, uh, which was basically working on our body and mind and preparing it for what is coming next, which is beginning with chapter seven, the next sections, chapter seven to chapter 12. Uh, and the key thing uh, which I uh, could get was that we have to make a start from where we are and we all are at different stages and so is everyone around us. Uh, and uh, the, these were sort of three stages which I think got covered from chapter uh, one to chapter six, uh, starting with a deluded mind uh, and then moving to the next stage, which comes by doing a lot of action, trying to indulge with uh, this material universe. And uh, still the mind is impure. And then we come to karma yoga, trying to uh, purify the mind. Uh, and then we try to focus it so that uh, from purified, uh, the, it is still scattered, so we are trying to focus on something coming to chapter six, which is uh, Dhyan Yoga. Uh, and with a focused mind, we are ready for the next uh, thing which is coming, which is uh, the Tat-focused sadhana. Uh, moving on, chapter six, some parting shots. Uh, as Arjun had some doubts and uh, he was provided some answers. And this is setting the stage for chapter seven. Uh, so Arjun talked about difficulties to focus, kind of monkey mind and uh, uh, going back again to being led by sense organs and which, which are difficult. Uh, the mind is difficult to control 
uh, it leads the sense organs to wander. Uh, so on, for on that, uh, Bhagwan says that it is it can be if you are constantly doing uh, practice, abhyasa, shavan mananan vidhyasan, and uh, with this passion, the, those those are that's the formula to get over it. And uh, then in the footnote, there are some other ways you can go through it. Uh, I'll not go through the details. Uh, and then the other doubt he had was what happens like when someone is not able to continue and leaves it midway, the goal is not achieved. Is it all lost for them? And uh, from 39 of chapter 6 to 45, Bhagwan is saying that nothing goes in vain. We all keep coming back to play uh, this game and uh, whatever progress is made in this life that continues till we are where we want to be or where we are supposed to be. Uh, and in the end here, yeah, that's that's the beginning of chapter 7, that uh, those yogis who have full faith in me, they, uh, uh, they, they are kind of supposed to reach me ultimately. Chapter 7, yeah, I, I have tried to focus more on 7.1 till 7.7. And after that, it is just, uh, I think, justification statements to what has been told. And it is Gyan Vigyan Yoga, uh, Tatfuka Sadhana. Uh, in 7.1, uh, Bhagwan is uh, saying that uh, basically the one who has gained all the qualifications by following what has been told in the earlier chapters uh, will be able to understand what I'm going to tell. Uh, so one who is focused and attached in me, Maya Asaktmana, who has purified their mind via Karma Yoga and focused it onto me via Dhyan Yoga, Yoga Myunjan, who have come to my refuge and surrendered to me, Madashreya. So here again, yeah, I have put a asterisk. Uh, God realization is not achieved by force or by one's own abilities. It happens in its own time by the grace of God. Uh, so that that is most important, and uh, I think that that's the underlying uh, philosophy which is being explained in this chapter. Uh, and the next one is who is without any doubt. Uh, has faith in me, uh, knows me based on the sadhana which has been done in the first uh, one to six chapters. And then he says that, just listen to me. You listen to what I'm trying to say, that's shruno, and uh, all the doubts will be dispelled. 7.2 is uh, the crux of this, like what he, what I am going to tell, Bhagwan is saying, I'll tell you about Jnana and Vijnana. And here, uh, whatever I could get about Jnana and Vijnana from different aspects. So literally, it is knowledge and science. Uh, from a bhakti perspective, Jnana is theoretical knowledge acquired from scriptures. 
uh, also called paroksh gyana vigyana is practical application in one's own life try to give an example uh, we we were reading a lot about 2klm3 uh, being root of all evil and working practically to eradicate these from our life would be vigyana from that perspective uh, from a advaita perspective gyana is knowledge about self vigyana is knowledge about or everything else which is uh, typically not identified with self in the beginning when we start with the beginning state stage of gyana anything outside of what we identified identify as us and it is a expansion actually the second stage is we identify all that vistara also as expansion of ourselves uh, and there is an example there you can read through it uh and uh, in the end uh, god says that i take the responsibility of telling you in a way that you will definitely understand so that responsibility is also taken by the lord that is one meaning of vakshyami uh, the straightforward meaning is that i am i am going to tell you but uh, the more deeper meaning uh, is that he he is actually taking the responsibility to tell it in a way that if you listen to him you'll understand and this is something knowing which nothing else need to be known jajnatva neho bhuta uh, so that is 7.2 moving on yeah 7.3 is also in in the in the same uh, Uh, thought process it is talking about uh, who all get interested uh, on this path uh, there are thousands who develop an interest and make an effort and that happens by my grace only and uh, out of those thousands also probably only one will actually come to truly know me as the self uh, which is tatvata uh and uh, uh i have talked about these three stages you can go through it i think uh, there is no need for me to read through this and this is the actual gyana and vigyana 7.4 to 7.7 uh 7.4 is talking about apra prakriti which is jada and uh, uh, he talks about eight material components which make uh, this apra prakriti or jagat uh, and uh, we can do a lot of study about the panch mahabhutas and all how it comes into being and i think uh, uh, probably uh, Shrimad Bhagwat talks about all this in a lot more detail. Uh, but the key here, which I took from Swami Anubhavananda, is that uh, the key is something which uh, most of us miss because we might be getting interested in Panch Mahabhutas and how it all came about. Uh, so there is there is a key word here, ityam me, like it is mine, and. Uh, swamiji actually is telling us to focus on 
that it is all Lord's, so it is not ours. So he's giving us a cue that it, it is mine. Uh, so do not remain attached in all this. So it's kind of a beginning of Veragya uh, and uh, Niti, Niti, that this is, this is not ours. Uh, 7.05 is about uh, the Jeevuta Prakriti, which is Chetan, ever powerful, uh, but it gets deluded of its true nature uh, and starts indulging in karma to seek pleasure and completeness from this jagat. So, Dhariyate Jagat. So, Jeevuta Mahabhav. It is actually in true essence, it is uh, 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 the true nature is equivalent to Brahman, but uh, it gets deluded. Uh, 7.6 talks about Ishvara uh, as the transcendental and imminent co cause of uh, everything. And it's the creator, the destroyer, and the sustainer. Uh, 7.7, .7, something that I would like to emphasize on uh, is obviously the example uh, of Sutrai if Maniganai. So there is an example of flower being held by a thread, uh, which is a sustainer and a sustained example, that thread being the sustainer and uh, uh, flowers are something which are sustained. And uh, this is an example which uh, if we think about Ishwara, the way Ishwara is uh, held, keeping uh, the Jagat and Jeev together and everything running. Uh, but there could be another example here, which is the gold bead holding, uh, uh, the, the gold thread holding the gold beads. And that is an example to explain Brahman, uh, where everything is gold, the substratum is gold, and uh, that is the sustainer as well as the sustained. So thread is also gold. And the beads uh, which are being held by that thread are also gold. Uh, and uh, ultimately, uh, the crux of this is making a progression from Dehe Bhav to Jeeva Bhav. So, so to understand 7.5 and uh, then to Sakshi Chaitanya Bhav and finally to Sakshi Swarup, which is 7.7. .7. And there are a lot of metaphors to explain this. Uh, there is a water, ocean and waves metaphor. There is the pot and the clay metaphor, but uh, this, this was something different. Uh, and uh, this this talks about uh, an all-day international. It's not a one-day international. And uh, there are two sides. Uh, the Jagat side is always bowling and fielding side. And the Jiva side is always the batsman. And Ishwara is the umpire or the Karma Dekshya. And uh, this is going on. Uh, till Sansar goes on, this game goes on. And uh, Brahmana it's the substratum of everything, but in, indifferent to the game. It's not involved in the game. So I thought this would be interesting uh, to share.
and uh, i think the crux of the chapter is already explained and uh, then i've tried to quick, quickly cover from 7.8 to 7.30 which talks about uh, like uh, god is talking about see me in these 15 special things uh, like rasa in water light in sun and moon and uh, all those thing and uh, then he talks about the three gunas in the maya which uh, make the jiva deluded uh, then why people don't have faith in me the kinds of people who don't have faith in me and the uh, other kind poor kind which uh, have faith in me and then pray to me and uh, then again he gets into that uh, this maya is mine and then finally uh, those who take uh, refuge in me even uh, in old age uh, uh, they, they are uh, they get liberation from old age as well as uh, death and uh, uh, if anyone takes faith in uh, refuge in me even at the time of uh, death uh, they 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 will be taken care of and uh, so let's move on and uh, uh, this is the crux of uh, what i thought is the tat focused sadhana uh, the end goal here is equating tat and tvam and for that the jiva has to take refuge initially in ishvara uh, in sagun brahmana and uh, uh, through bhakti prayer or other means uh, has to uh, get away from that identification with mind body and ego uh, and uh, has to reach the ultimate stage where which is uh, nothing else exists but uh, there is brahman and uh, jiva which are one and the same thing and that's the completeness i think that's it thank you for listening to me beautiful i love the cricketing so analogy much. yeah that was very nice to put very nice it's, 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 thank you the game never ends lovely eri kustis vashish Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Shreeni here. Go ahead. Yeah, it's not a question for Ashish, uh, but I have this uh, lingering doubt for quite some time. Uh, when you take the Western philosophy, uh, they talk something about the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. For example, uh, in one of the books of Deepak Chopra, he says, when you try to approach the uh, subconscious mind. for something it could be anything what you want the world will conspire to get it done for you so uh, in the context of bhagavad gita uh, what exactly is this subconscious mind i mean it is it is all on mind uh, intellect so i thought if somebody can clarify this uh, doubt it would be very helpful for me thank you very well must take a shot uh this is uh, muku so I, my my understanding is i think the subconscious is more of a western construct uh, i i don't think 
the Upanishads as scriptures have that construct. That's my understanding. I felt the same thing too. So I was just trying to relate. If something is there in the Eastern philosophy also, then uh, there could be some relation between the conscious and the subconscious mind. So uh, anybody can clarify on this also would be helpful. Yeah, just to add to what Muku is saying, I think the way in, in if you look at the Gita, uh, the book that we're following, right? In the, in the introductory chapters, it talks about a framework where it says that how a human mind is constructed and basically it divides it into uh, mano, buddhi, chitta, ahankara. And that's, that's what it is. So the emotional, the intellectual, the memory and the ego. Ego as in the one, one that appropriates the mind-body construct. So that's how the, the Indian um, philosophy describes it. So this uh, conscious mind, subconscious mind, uh, or even if you take the Freudian analogy of Eid uh, as, and super, super Eid, I, I don't remember now. I, I used to read, read that a lot. All that is, you know, uh, trying to explain um, uh, certain phenomena, which is probably incomplete. Okay, because uh, yes. even if you say conscious plus unconscious, conscious plus subconscious, Basically, what it's saying is it's still it's still uh, telling only that part of the mind which you can observe by yourself, and something that you cannot observe for yourself. That doesn't that doesn't kind of you know complete the picture, saying that okay, if you have if you have emotions and if you have intellect, you can observe both of them. But then uh, ego, it's a new construct completely, and the way that the way that Western philosophy is describe ego is totally, totally different from the way that uh, Eastern philosophy describes. So I would go with what Muku is saying um, rather than equate both of them or try to find correlations. Just park one thing and then take up the other and win and vice versa. Understand. Yes. So there is no concept of subconscious mind uh, in the Eastern philosophy at all. Let go Bhagavad Gita. No. The closest, the closest that I could I could think of the conscious subconscious mind, if I were to if I were to make an extrapolation and say it is desires or vasanas, that's what I would say. But I don't think that I'm right. Understand? Yeah. Let Understand. me take a shot. Let me, let me take a shot here. Okay. Go ahead, Mahesh. Normally, mind is not at all subconscious. I mean, subconscious is a word which is not appropriate for the, especially mind. I mean, if we, consciousness is one part. If we take, let's say, yeah, let's use the word awareness. Mind is more of aware or conscious. To, I'm using these two words so that people don't get confused. Mind is always aware. Okay, the subconscious mind is typically like, for example, in the night, if you want to sleep and get up at morning, 4 o'clock, we give a command to the mind saying that wake me by 4 o'clock and we wake up. You know, that thing which works even when you are sleeping, the mind is active then also, although it is called subconscious mind. It is active then also, but it comes under, uh, it also is a function of mind as per my understanding in Bhagavad Gita. So subconscious mind is just a uh, term used where you can, uh, used where it is used by the self for a constructive work even when you are not conscious. It is my understanding, like extracting a, a pull of a word 
suppose you forget a word you have to pull out a word you struggle that is using a subconscious mind is what english people say but actually it is the use of conscious mind itself understand understand yes thank you nice any other questions for yeah, ashish just uh, one one comment on ashish i think uh, ashish you said you picked on the word responsibility i think that was a, that was a good good insight um i think what what i've also seen is uh, not responsibility to articulate responsibility to teach but once you meet a guru sadguru uh, even the responsibility for your enlightenment he takes up that's the beauty of it so it's just not the the learning part teaching part but even the outcome is is with them that's why if you look at uh, the last is always last teaching he gives us you know surrender to me i'll take care of everything else um that's that's again that's a good 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 insight actually picked on the word thank you for that thank you muku over to you ajay you keep see my screen yes coming up okay okay Has it come up? Yeah, we can see your screen, but uh, I think uh, you're showing. Yeah, I can. We can see your home screen now. Okay, so I need to do. Slide yeah, we're good. Go ahead. Does it work? Can you see the slideshow now? Yes. Okay. Excellent. Thank you, guys. Sorry, I'm the last. Uh, I think of the summarizers, if you will. So I'm going to start with the usual protocols around thanking. the gurus from me please from me spg so me anubhava nanda ji everything that i'm going to say in the next five slides is going to be plagiarized so anything that doesn't resonate with uh, what the gurus have said is entirely my my blame uh, I, i i know the title of the, the chapter is gyana vigyana yoga but in some ways i look at it as something which initiated me into the nature of god which is ishvara swarupa and uh, the couple of definitions that that i kind of put there one is to say that ishvara is the abhinna nimitta upadana karana which is basically it's the both the material and the intelligent cause of the of the creation uh, and then there was an interesting definition of what is ishvara and ishvara is uh, samashta agyana uparit chaitanya which is these it's a summation of the eternal consciousness and the totality of maya so it's it's the it's that that is kind of in, in some ways the definition of uh, of ishvara so those two things i i put it down there because that's something which made sort of sense to me uh, <clears throat> i picked up the first words uh, and i'm not going to go verse by verse just the first one i think the three uh, words uh, maya saktamana yogam yunjam and madashraya i found a, a uncanny sort of uh, the similarity if you will between karma yoga and bhakti yoga here where if you just look at the highlighted part in 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 purple or whatever color that is at the end of the day when we do karma yoga our mind is focused on the ultimate goal we've got to put in the diligent hard work to achieve that goal and we've got to keep god on our side right that is at some level uh, karma yoga in terms of the goal the the action and the ishvara arpana bhavana and 
bhakti yoga in a way is also the same where your mind is focused on god uh, you are kind of practicing it diligently and of course there is the element of uh, surrender so i thought that was to me it's a it's a kind of a life lesson it's it's something that that really resonated so i thought i'll put it down on the first slide itself uh <clears throat> moving forward and sorry this is just I, i i make a lot of notes for my own benefit and i in the interest of time and not wanting to put too much effort i just cut paste it into a slide and 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 in in some ways this uh, you know the the four uh, stages of bhakti which is called chaturvidha in a way sort of encapsulates a lot of the concepts that are covered in chapter 7 uh, and you know the you know I, it's important to keep in mind that these are four stages and not four different people if you know what i mean so everyone goes through this journey and these four stages actually come after you've kind of started to uh, believe in the in ishwara so these are the stages of sukriti as opposed to dushkriti uh which is an which is a nastika really uh, and you are essentially at that stage in asura because you are reveling in your senses all the time i think the other interesting thought or comment that i read was that bhakti is at some level almost like a fifth purushartha beyond besides the four which is dharma artha kama and moksha because that bhakti and shraddha is essential at all stages of your spiritual journey Uh, so if you look at these four uh, stages and and i know there is uh, sequencing and there is uh, uh, you know the the one which scruti uh, kind of uh, spoke about from a krishna perspective a gopi's perspective i stayed with the more traditional sort of four stages and broken it out into just how what 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 how does one move from left to right and the first one is 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 all about you know a post facto kind of a, belief in god you know something has gone wrong god help me uh, the second one is more futuristic to say look i recognize that there is god and i'm saying that you know in future please take care of my my needs and then you go through this cycle of you know being an artha or an artharthi and you get to a point where you say well this is kind of all temporary it comes and goes and that's when you get this jigyasa and saying who is god i i want to know the nature of god right and uh, and the final stage of a gyani is freedom and the freedom is from samsara right so that's kind of uh, the the simple construct the goal in the in, in for an artha is basically dukha nivritti it's a temporary kind of thing i have a problem i want to solve whereas uh, for artharthi is looking at for a slightly more more permanent solution but not the permanent solution uh, for a jigyasu it is about gaining knowledge of god and uh, the gyani's goal is as a gyani your goal is to be to 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 realize uh, god which is self realization the first two uh, steps here are of the nature of sakama it is uh, it is for a need uh, this is what is referred to as mandabhaktas because it is conditional and it is prayers in the sense that you're looking outwards into the material world whereas if when you move to the right as a jigyasu it is moving towards nishkama and it is shreyas it is looking inwards or looking within and so therefore you move from being a mandabhakta to a madhyama bhakta and a gyani is obviously nishkama unconditional and that is the highest uh, 
uh, form of bhakti. In the first two steps, you're essentially doing karma, uh, just karma, no karma yoga. Uh, as you move towards being a jigyasu, there is an element of karma yoga, which is a combination of uh, swadhyayas, tapas, and uh, prapadyanti. Uh, and, and then the other sort of things come along, which is sadhana, chatushtayam, uh, you know, working with a guru and practicing jnana yoga. And uh, as, as a jnani, you are basically continuing to do or continuing to be your, your true self. The next one is interesting. I mean, in terms of what is the nature of God in each of these three stages? In the first two stages, which I think is almost similar, you know, you're looking at like a personal God. There is a God who sits somewhere in Kailasha or Vaikunt or wherever in the clouds. <clears throat> there is one God, it's got... It's, it's Ekarupa, therefore. Uh, it is Saguna. It is somebody with attributes. And this is sort of a sort of a religious person, as I would call it, right? Who believes in, in, a, in a power which is bigger than who we are. And therefore, we pray to God for fulfilling our wishes, right? If you move towards Jigyastu, you basically look at God as both transcendental, which is beyond us, and imminent, as in right here and now. And so you get into the zone where you're looking at it as a Aneka Rupa Brahman, uh, still Saguna, but uh, that's where sort of the concept of the Vishwa Rupa comes in. So you're moving from being religious to be spiritually religious, if you will, uh, focusing on the end, which is self-realization. And you are looking at God as not a bet wish fulfiller, but a well-wisher. And I'm going to talk about that in the next slide. So I'll kind of not talk about it here. And I think the last one is around, as a jnani, you basically move from being, and you know, we've had a long, long lot of discussion around, you know, uh, jnanam and jnanam, but essentially, if you look at it, the sum of it, it's moving from dvaita to advaita, uh, which is jnana to vijnana. And you move to what's, what's really a, a rupa uh, brahman, which is without any form. So if you look at the transition, it is from Ekarupa to Anekarupa to Arupa uh, Brahman. And that is the Nirguna attributeless form of, uh, of Brahman. And that's kind of where sort of it, you, you look at it spiritually, where God only is as uh, Swami Vivekananda, uh, famous quote is. And, uh, you know, in, 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 in Shloka 19, it says Vasudeva Sarva, Sarva Miti. Uh, so that's kind of the form that, that you're in. And then in terms of the nature of universe, I think this is well understood. I think the first two stages, when you look outwards, you look at it, you're focused on the on the apara, which is the empirical lower knowledge. And as you move to the right, you are focused on the paraprakriti, which is which includes the transcendental higher uh, knowledge. But I think the last point I wanted to make before I leave this slide is that if you go from left to right, there is a fundamental change in the person's approach towards who am I? And that is the ego. In the first, in the, when you're an artha, you're like, you've got a huge fat ego. When you become an artha, you kind of say, look, yeah, there's somebody bigger than mine, me, I need to kind of keep that person on my side. So my ego has come down a little bit, but not, not by a whole lot. And by the time you get to the other end, which is as a jnani, you've essentially dropped your ahankara, right? And the example that, uh, I read somewhere, which is, is really around the fact that it is not very complicated. It's almost like being, we're all intelligent folks. 
but we're drunk with this kind of maya that keeps us within samsara. Right? Easier said than done, of course, but at the end of the day, if you move from left to right, it's really what you're losing is or trying to lose is the ego. Okay, so this 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 uh, shloka 19 really caught my attention, and I did some uh, reading here and there, and including SPG has some some thoughts on this. But you know, there is a interesting sort of hierarchy of when we say Vasudeva or Nirguna Brahman being the highest, uh, and and Vasudeva essentially means uh, uh, you know Sat and Chit. So Vasu is Sat and Deva is Chit. Uh, but if you look at that hierarchy, it's like the next one is 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 an avatara who is like a Krishna who comes to reestablish dharma on uh, in, in the in the in the universe, and that's kind of exemplified by the saguna, Krishna, Arjuna, Sambada in the Gita. Uh, then you have the guru, which is really the teachings, lessons by them. I mean, they are mahatmas. They are the people who are uh, enlightened uh, or on the path to enlightenment and. Getting there, as the heading says, it's durlabha, it's difficult. And, and that's kind of what is being done through the Guru Shishya Parampara. And then you've got the, the lesser sort of, uh, uh, you know, orders, which is around Agya, which is the do's and don'ts, do, do's and don'ts like the Yamas and Niyamas. And then you've got a, a sort of a lot of stories around Devtas and Rishis giving Vardans and curses and all that stuff. So just in hierarchy of you know, various spiritual sort of actions and how Vasudeva Sarvam is right on the top. Uh, there's, there's one thing which I was trying to understand a little more about the Saguna and the Nirguna sort of aspect of Ishwara. And the Saguna is somebody who is essentially an extension of the Nirguna uh, and derives all the powers from, from, from the ultimate consciousness. But the problem with that is that you kind of go into the Karmakanda zone, which is Rituals which are complicated and need to be followed to the T. Uh, the results are finite. It is transactional, as we saw in the case of Artha and Artha Artharthis. And uh, you know, you can get what you want, but that may not be always in your best interest, right? And it does, it is transactional, it does create attachment, has an element of or it has a selfish uh, you know, element to it. But if you move to the right, which is the solution, uh, you are looking at Nirguna as not somebody who's a, who's fulfilling your wishes, but somebody who's your well-wisher. And let me take a minute to explain what I mean by well-wisher. When you are a wish fulfiller, you either give it or you don't give it. So it's either a yes or a no. Whereas when you are a wish well-wisher, there are two more aspects. They could be a yes and a no, of course, but they might be a wait where you might give that at the right time or you could also have a situation where uh, you know you you give them something which they really need as opposed to what they're asking for right and there's an example around the ice cream vendor you, you know if you wish to get an ice cream the vendor can give you the ice cream but the mother will be able to kind of discern and say this is not the right time to eat the ice cream it's too cold eat it at the right time so take it but take it later right so there is no pratyavaya dosha in case of uh, nirguna ishwara as opposed to saguna which is very transactional and uh, you're looking for for kind of uh, instant sort of gratification 
And so that's what can so having said that, there is the whole concept of the Ishta. And uh, Ishta is ultimately the manifest form of Nirguna Brahman and therefore is Saguna Brahman. But the way I understand it is that it is a journey and you've got to start with, uh, with Saguna Brahman, uh, eventually graduate to Nirguna Brahman. Uh, ultimately, they're the same at, at a certain level. What matters really is the attitude, which is, you know, your prayer has to be Nishkama. You've got to have the faith and the Shraddha and the Prabhadyanti, which is surrender to the ultimate uh, Lord. I'm not going to dwell on this. I've sort of spent a lot of my time sort of trying to figure this out. I really like how Shruti summarized this, this whole debate between Jnana and Vijnana. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I'm personally kind of more closer to the view of Sri Ramakrishna, where he looks at both Jnani and uh, Vijnana as realization and intimate sort of realization with God. Uh, <clears throat> I just focus on the, at the bottom where it says that Vijnana is the wisdom that arises from the practical application of Jnana. And, uh, and, and you know, the, what Vivekananda says, you know, you know, you move from a stage where you say everything is God to God only is, right? And that is, a, I think, a big leap, which we can only sort of theorize right now. But I think that is a fundamental difference between going from uh, Brahman is nothing or everything to Brahman is the only thing, God only is. So to me, in my head, it is, that is, that is Vigyanam. I'll end with this last thing, and I've spent some time just thinking about this phrase, Ishwara Arpana Bhavana. And what I'm going to focus on is this word Bhavana. What is Bhavana? And uh, <clears throat> again, this is all stuff that I've picked up from uh, the internet and listening to, I think SPG had one comment on this as well. <clears throat> and Abhinava Gupta, who's, a, who, who, who's the person who was, who's kind of advocated the Kashmiri Shaivism, right? He has a beautiful sort of description and something that, you know, Carl Jung has sort of uh, paraphrased in a different sort of way. But, you know, there's a whole set of concept of difference between Bhavana and Kalpana. Bhavana is not like a, like a, like a random fancy imagination, which is Kalpana. Kalpana is anything, you can imagine anything. But Abhinav Gupta says, Bhavana is using the power of imagination to grasp something which is already an existing reality, which you are not or unable to see for, for the moment, but there are people who've seen it, right? So it is not like just anything, sorry, it's not like a cartoon character or something that you're imagining uh, out of your sort of mind. It is something which exists, but you're trying to grasp that thing, you, which you may or may not understand today, but you will at some point. So. When you practice that, one realizes that what has been taken as the truth is indeed the truth. So it's not wild, random imagination. So I think that's an important thing in my head to say that when I'm sort of believing in something, I'm believing in something which is not random, but something which is a reality. It's just that I don't have the ability to absorb and understand it. And, 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 and the, what you see on the right is what, what Jung said, which is the indwelling God image, which I assume is... Saguna Brahman, within everyone is mostly an unconscious nature of God image, which directs the life until it is made or becomes conscious, which is the Nirguna Brahman. So very similar thoughts, 
but uh, to me i think it certainly kind of gave me a better sort of understanding of this word bhavana which i think is at the core of a lot of the vedantic thinking i'm going to stop there excellent uh, ajay thank you so much hey, brilliant yeah very very question very nice please share the presentation i think uh, acha sir with the slide was excellent and so was the others but really took a lot of uh, learnings from that thank you no thanks guys i'll, I'll circulate the presentation i mean yeah i just didn't want to go slide pass i'll show up a show up i just made a very simple summary is very good very good all right if there are no questions i'm just going to pause the stop the recording and then restart while subhu you get ready